Hello, everyone. Welcome to American Families of Faith excerpts, where David Dollahite and Lauren Marks briefly focus on the nexus of faith and family life with a particular question or topic. We turn now to Black Christian families. We have interviewed about 40 at this point, and 80% of American Black Christian families that we interviewed hailed from inner-city contexts. Others were from suburban or rural areas, but 80% were from inner-city areas. These were typically blue-collar families whose married status was often the exception on streets lined with single-mother families, often that included poverty and need. Selected themes from these families that we interviewed included faith during difficult times. A direct quote related said, the power of prayer gets us through. And faith holds my family together. Another direct quote from one of the participants. There was an urgency about faith for many of these families. Faith mattered deeply and profoundly for many of these families. The United States is not a post-race nation. Poverty, often deep poverty, as well as unemployment, inadequate educational opportunities, discrimination, incarceration, and many other social ills were very familiar to them and to their loved ones. Further, these marriage-based families that we interviewed were often the first to receive knocks of need, a phrase that we coined And by knocks of need, we mean literal knocks that come to the door from neighbors that involve requests for money, for help, or even temporary housing for the less fortunate who often surrounded them in their communities. Interesting to note that every single Black Christian family that we interviewed had housed unrelated folks in their homes at one point or another. And in one case, I asked a family, how many youth have you had here in your home over the years? And neither the wife nor husband could even put a figure to it. They guessed that it was somewhere over 30. But this was a very typical practice to open their doors, literally, financially, literally, spiritually, relationally, to those who needed it. Their lived religion was not a sanitized, upper-middle-class spirituality. In most cases, it was a desperate, sincere, deep pleading of faith, a pleading faith of survival that even now in 2021 still seemed to contain some echoes of the mournful notes of the shame of American slavery. For these families, their faith was not merely something that enriched or added some meaning to life. Faith was life itself. In terms of holy envy, we cannot claim to envy the plight of one of the most discriminated groups in U.S. history, Black Americans, but we do certainly envy the profound depth of their living faith in a God that reportedly heard and sustained them through poignant challenges Challenges that were and are ever-present for most of these families, even now. One of my favorite stories, period, from our entire American Families of Faith project involved J.D. and Bootsy Denton. In May of 2005, Bootsy, her real name is Barbara, but her family nickname is Bootsy, she and James, J.D., had five foster children living with them at this point. Their biological kids were already out of the house, and Bootsy was loading some food into the back of their Suburban 
out on the street and a driver driving under the influence came weaving up the street and crushed her against the back bumper. A nurse from across the street saw what happened and engaged in some heroic life-saving measures that ultimately saved Bootsy's life, but both of her legs were amputated. She was in a coma and flatlined numerous times. JD would later tell me that he said, at least I know my wife ain't no cat. A cat only has nine lives, and my wife flatlined 13 times. She's something special. She's something different. And indeed, she was resuscitated 13 times. And even when he received some encouragement to seriously consider pulling the plug at one point, a deeply difficult decision, J.D. ultimately told the medical help that until he had mortgaged the last dime out of his home, they were to do all that they could for his Bootsy and that he would be praying for a miracle. Miraculously, she did come out of it. And at the time I conducted the Denton's interview, Bootsy was stabilized, but still had tremendous difficulty communicating. She did explain at one point, turning from me to her husband, that she would not blame him if he ran from their difficult situation. And he responded to that, not to me as interviewer, but to her. He said, my mama told me when we got married, son, you've got to listen to the words. That's what she told me. You've got to listen to the words. And then he told Bootsy, I listened to the words. For me, this marriage is till death do us part and forever after that. I'm always going to have your back and I want you to have mine. It is at the time of our podcast been 16 years since I conducted that interview. Bootsy miraculously is still alive. I've been to visit them on occasion in the intervening years and to watch JD pick Bootsy up out of her wheelchair and put her in the passenger seat of their van to go for their daily drive as a couple is one of the most sacred things that I've witnessed. I will share with our listeners that my wife Sandra and I have two sons and the second of those is named Denton, named in part after the marital commitment that JD and Bootsy have showed each other under the most remarkable of circumstances. We hope you'll join us on our full podcast called American Families of Faith. 